we have had utter joy in catching up with the fine athletes, coaches, administrators over the years, talking about legendary careers, legendary seasons, legendary games. Uh, and we've got an absolute legend joining us here. Uh, multi-dimensional, multi-faceted. Dual international, extremely fine broadcaster. Can't forget that. And now recently appointed president of New Zealand Cricket, Al Presidente. Uh, Leslie Murdoch is kind enough to join us on the program. Leslie, thanks so much for dropping by. Great to have you on. Morning, Leslie. Well, morning. Two of my favourite cricket people. <laughs> Aren't you nice? I'm blushing. It's true. Uh, we, it's true. I... I don't get much positive feedback on this show, Leslie. So, you know, when oh, I, I do. I can't believe that. I bring that close to my heart and I keep it. Well, Daniel tends to keep me grounded. Grounded. I think. That's a nice way of putting it, Grant. As my wife would say, Leslie, you're way too mean to Grant, Daniel. You're so mean. No. <laughs> no. Just but, you, you guys, what you do for cricket, because your passion just oozes out of you and the way that you love the game and the way that you're able to articulate that. So, it's great listening to you guys. Well, Leslie, I think your passion actually rubbed off on me when we commentated together, and I'll never forget commentating with you, and then all of a sudden, my eardrums started almost bleeding when you, uh, you, when you shouted a wicket, and it was amazing how loud you got and how passionate you got you never in the shouted. commentary box. Well, it wasn't. It was Light and shade in Leslie's voice, I think you're fine. She's from the era of no shouting. It, she just oh, understands well, to how yeah. how to go up and go down, and it was well, it was it, so it, animated. I loved it. I wanted I wanted a hat trick to happen just because I would sit and just watch your passion as you stood up and just screamed from the top of the rooftop um, of how passionate you were that the wife ferns got a wicket. Well, it must have been a meaningful one that had some kind of a direct outcome on a game. Maybe one that they uh, won. But uh, look, thank you. That's very kind. I've just loved being involved. Um, anyway with sport really just because I just love it so much and just so deep into it right from a little kid really. Well tell us about that tell us about Leslie Murdoch the child getting into sport because you know a lot of people know you as a broadcaster and might not recognize what you what you've done on um, sporting fields for New Zealand an Olympian uh, New Zealand women's test captain of course dual international that's a heck of an achievement but right as, as a young top what were you like always chasing a ball hitting a ball well, I was lucky enough, and I say lucky enough, I came from a very large family, and we, when uh, mum and dad, who I just revere so much for what they've been, what they've endured, I guess, in their lives, but looking after all of us, um, we had, we lived in a state house, actually, not very far away from where John Key was brought up, in, in a state housing area in um, Christchurch, and it had a very large backyard, thankfully. And my mother was an absolute stickler for polished floors. So basically when summer <laughs> came around, the doors were closed. We were locked out and that was it. We were in the backyard and all the neighbourhood kids used to come over. And it was football, really, that started it for me. Um, my father would close the curtains on a Sunday afternoon. Match of the day would come on at one o'clock or two o'clock and we would be ensconced inside despite the weather. And we would be watching the um, English Premier League come over and hopefully if there was the odd game, his beloved Glasgow Rangers playing. And that's where the beginnings of love of sport and then there was the listening to the crackly commentary come over from South Africa with you know, rugby tests and the magic of radio. And I think that's where radio sort of ignited a, a, a different kind of passion for me, that it was revering 
hearing about sports, seeing it being played, and I guess um, getting into it when I was probably about 10, you know, apart from the backyard stuff, which we played all the time. Now, Leslie, surely, you know, when mum went out and it was raining, I'm just thinking waxed floors, the ball skids on quite nicely. Surely there was a little <laughs> bit of indoor backyard cricket going on. No. No, never. There were a lot of broken windows, which was um, very, oh. very annoying. You know, when you're, you know, you're not, haven't got a lot of money to rub together, which, you know, they always seem to do really well. But that was probably the bane of her life was another window broken in the, um, what they then called the wash house, we now call the laundry. But whatever, it was, it was fantastic times. But I do remember um, that when I was 10 getting into hockey and then a little later on, I heard about this man called Stan Jelly, who was Arch Jelly's brother. And Stan was giving some instruction on batting technique down at Melvin Park in Christchurch. And as a 14-year-old, I went down there and learned how to play front foot defence. And that's really how it started for me. Amazing. Amazing. I, I, that... That image of you breaking windows, so many of the listeners will reson- that will resonate with. We've all been through that. After breaking the window, did you just run away like I used to? <laughs> Which is so hilarious because we all we all know who the prime suspect is in the yeah, household. Well, but well, I used to try and I used to try and hide. Like, well, you they won't know you? it's you me. Didn't, you, didn't want, you, you wouldn't want the blame to come down on you. I mean, every, we all fronted up. You know, it had to be done. And jeepers, it was just one of those things that you that parents had to put up with in that day. And, and I guess when you look back what that little period of playing in the backyard and it was mostly um young boys you know it was they were picking teams i remember that you know you'd always get i always seemed to be last picked i hated that um and it made me work a bit harder i think when i was older not to be the last picked i think it did have a very big bearing on i loved i loved training I, i really loved to practice whether it be hockey or cricket, I I love to go down and just have throwdowns or or have hockey practice, whatever. But I love that, and and it, I think that deep seated thing not to be last picked had a very, yeah, it was very impactful for me. Well, I'm guessing Leslie is because you you're probably so competitive as well. And when I I look well, at you know the the woman cricketers coming through now. Sophie Devine and uh, Amelia Kerr sort of stand out to me, who actually played in boys' teams, in mixed teams. Um, and now you look at them and they go, you go, wow, world beaters. How important it is, do you think, growing up now, um, having those female stars to look up to for these young girls, which I don't know if you would have had growing up? Well, I, th- I think certainly, you know, up to the age of 10, we didn't. Um, once we were into club hockey or club cricket, it was the two sports that I played were administered by women. So Canterbury Women's Hockey Association, Canterbury Women's Cricket, they were all women. So from that perspective, unconsciously, probably from my perspective, they were there. And we all played and, and grew up playing club sport with New Zealand representatives may not happen so much these days, but that's what you did. And so you did have, uh, again, you may not have realised, I certainly probably didn't realise it at the time, but you were fronting up to club cricket with the best that our country had. And Canterbury was strong in both hockey and cricket mm. back in the day. So I was really lucky to grow up with that and see how people played. But I think, to be fair, it wasn't till I retired, um, I don't know if I've ever used the R word, but if I finished playing internationally mm. anyway, and that I then wanted to make sure that 
the sport stood for something, you know, that it, it didn't, we all by then realised that it didn't have the profile that it deserved either hockey or cricket. And um, I, I got in and did some afternoon reports on the local school board show back here in Christchurch, and that's how it happened for me in a burning desire to see um, young women and, and women athletes get a lot more profiles than and they deserve to have it. And then you fall in love with radio. And there's something uh, amazing yeah, about yeah. radio, yeah. the intimacy, yeah, it is. Uh, the immediacy. Uh, it's it's a timeless medium in my mind. Well, I'll tell you what, we that um, afternoon school board show, Mike McRoberts had just finished broadcasting school in Christchurch. He anchored it. We had, um, at different times over the couple of years that I was involved while he was down in Christchurch, Daniel Faitawa. Andrew Saddle, yep. all doing reports on different sports. And I was lucky enough to be asked to do, you know, hockey and cricket. And, you know, just little things fell my way. Sir Richard Hadley had a um, program on, on ZB in Saturday mornings called Hadley's Half Hour. And he then went on a tour, I think it was 86, and he may have got his knighthood, I think, that maybe 86, 87. And they asked me to fill in while he was away in England. And just little things like that, and it just kept feeding the feeding the need, if you like, um, to keep involved with the sports. But look, I, I, the things probably that I've enjoyed the most is I've done a lot of coaching of um, younger people, like 10, 11, 12-year-olds. I haven't sort of delved going higher, but I've coached a lot of 10, 11, 12-year-olds in hockey and cricket, and I've loved doing that, trying to get them to love the game because it doesn't matter what happens out of it. If you love it, then, you know, even if you get disappointed with not getting in teams or whatever, your love for the sport is still there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It really does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's, a com- that's a real common thread with uh, every legend we've spoken to throughout this, yeah. is, is a genuine passion, a genuine love for, for the game. That might have waned from time to time, but, you know, underneath <laughs> it all, it was always sort of, it was always sort of present, uh, present, even though you go through ups and downs. Uh, highs and lows. The one thing I will say about your, your broadcasting career, Leslie, I heard you call way too many Super Rugby finals. Oh, uh, I was going to say uh, about uh, right. that. You, that, that way, way too yeah. many, Leslie. Yeah. Way too many. Well, you'll be one, happy way now, too many. You? You'll be happy with Wellington with their NPC and, and their Ramsey Shield. What a, what a season for them, eh? Oh, look. Always playing to the audience brilliantly, Leslie Murdoch. What an absolute champion. <laughs> you are right. I'd completely forgotten with the home of uh, the NPC and Ramsey Shield. I've dined out on that. How difficult was it juggling both sports, though, at a representative level? I'm sure both sports were sort of demanding of your time, maybe in the off-season, come do extras. How how difficult was it? Was there much of an overlap? Um, They did did get to be a bit of an overlap, but look, it was like going from one to the other. Um, Look, I remember having to choose in 1984 whether to go on an, a, a tour of England, which, you know, I would have loved to have gone that, gone and done that or, or try my luck getting into the Olympic hockey team. And so that was probably the only time I think I had to choose between the two. But uh, I was lucky enough because I was a hockey goalkeeper rather than a field hockey player. And I had some coaching from a person who'd been employed by New Zealand hockey as specialist goalkeeper coach, Peter Yongyans. And, man, he, he drove us hard. We tra- we had to train hard. I trained with the guys, Graham Sligo, uh, New Zealand goalkeeper, um, Morris Marquet, another goalkeeper. And, you know, that fitness that we did in the hockey sense really paid big dividends for me in the cricket. And, you know, I think it was easy to go from one to the other. I think the biggest probably 
difficulty was the finance because in those days you had to pay to play for your province and pay to play for your country and it was just finding the money to um, feed your passion really. That was probably the biggest difficulty. Yeah, Leslie, let's talk about the, the Olympics. So um, it was in 1884, um, you finished sixth on the table, but it wasn't a, a, a fruitless uh, tournament. I mean, you played Netherlands in match one. I mean, they're a strong, they're a well, powerhouse. Well, they, they won gold. You only lost by one gold yeah, there. Two uh, one. Well, yeah, was, most of the games you were competitive, weren't you, Leslie? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was controversial that goal that they got too because it was a penalty corner and my trusty left back Mary Clinton had got the fierce hit from Siki Borhurst. I always remember her. She was the penalty corner striker mm. and it had hit, struck her above the knee and that was a no no in those days and it was one all up until that last two minutes of the game and they awarded the goal because it went in off her leg right on the post. And it shouldn't have been a goal. But anyway, it was. And they went on to win the gold medal, the Dutch, as they have on so many occasions. But yes, it was. And it was an interesting time even getting to the Olympics because we had to beat Great Britain to get there. Because, you know, clearly they play as a, a joint home nations in those days. And we went over to the World Cup in 1979, played the World Cup, and then had to play the qualifying match against Great Britain after that World Cup had finished. So it was quite bizarre, really. But, you know, it was a real a real drama to even get there. Um, of course, we were picked to go in 1980 to Moscow, but as we all know, that the majority of New Zealanders did not partake in that 1980 Olympics because of the invasion of Afghanistan by Russia. I'm sure there was um, some good times off the field at Olympic Games. Um, oh, to say? Yes. yes, we can't we can't tell you that though. You know what goes on <laughs> tour stays on tour. Crikey! <laughs> it's hey, you, you shoot for the stars, you might get the moon, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, I want to talk about that. That's the Olympics. So you're playing hockey in the Olympics, you're an and yet you're, you're almost beaten. We should have beaten Holland or tied the game if it wasn't for Bronkhorst. Um, and oh, hello, Philip. Five years prior to that, you played Test cricket in '79, and then later on, 11 years later, played more Test cricket. But do you remember your first Test? I've got your numbers up here. Yes, I do vividly. Yes, um, debuted. I Tell think, us about alongside, that. Um, we were playing. Gosh, um, I know that I got out LBW on 46, and the only person who appealed was the wicketkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, I but remember, I, I love how strong yeah. your memory is. Yeah, well, that you do remember, because, you know, you was feeling quite good about, you know, your debut test, and you'd got a couple of runs under your belt, and that's how I went out. So he was actually that umpire, and I'm, I think, um, I can't quite remember his name, was it um, Simon Crater went on to be a test umpire. I think that's, right, that's what to... his name was. Yeah. I, I think... Here it is. What are the umpires' names? Jay Chapman and AJ Marshall, both Australian, so it would have been oh. a terrible decision. Oh, yeah. Leslie, let's oh, be yeah, honest. No chance. No chance. Well, it was, you know, I thought it was someone in there. In that series, he was there somewhere anyway. But um, yeah, I certainly remember going out in that fashion. Of course, that was an amazing tour because I, that was my debut tour. It was Debbie Hockley's as well. So she got selected as a 15 year old and played amazing. a test wow. as a 16 year old, which was. Phenomenal to see her career unfold. It was no surprise to us in Canterbury that she was in that team um, and and such a prestigious talent that was going to evolve into, you know, world class as we've now been witness to. 
Which is so special as well, Leslie. When uh, you know you're going to be, uh, I guess, one of a uh, few women that have experienced the test. Do you think that we're going to see many more test cricket uh, games played by the women, by our white ferns? Yeah, well, I know that there's a, a hunger for them to have that. I think it, you know we've got, I guess, there's priorities around how you spend your money in, in terms of, you know, personally, I would like to see the money spent getting more players playing the game. I would love to yeah. think that we can get to being a test-playing country, but I think that, personally, we've got a lot of work to do. And while, you know, I think one of the best things that happened in New Zealand and for world women's cricket this year was when New Zealand cricket announced the same pay, same play on the same day uh, back in July. I think um, that was the best thing that's happened, but I think we've still got... You know, off the field, a lot of work to do to get more people, get the depth, get the um, sport going, humming along like we know it can, um, and get our New Zealand team right back up and into number one position. That's that's how I feel about that. Aside from the penalty corner a shocker against the Dutch at the '84 Olympics, <laughs> is your big sporting regret only playing six tests over 11 years that there there weren't more? Every single one of your tests was against Australia, which would have been so exhilarating to test yourself against, you know, such a good side. Uh, but 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 is that the one thing you sort of lament that you didn't play more? Um, well, I you know I probably did have opportunities if I hadn't gone to the Olympics in '84 because there were mm. tests played in England. Um, gosh, I think about that 1972 women's cricket team that went to South Africa and conquered all, and even conquered Australia yeah. on the way back. And they were amazing. I mean, that was Judy Dill, Judy McCarthy, Trish McKelvey, um, players of that era. Um, so, look, I, I probably haven't seen that as, as a regret for myself. Um, no, I, I, I honestly can't say that I, 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 you know, I think we've got, we've always had a lot of work to do. Um, and going back to my mother, while we're talking about that, um, she and this woman, Thelma McDonald, who... You know, they, they hadn't played to any great level themselves, but they ensconced themselves, Shirley Cowell's another one, on the Canterbury Women's Cricket Board, uh, making sure that the game survived administratively and that we had, you know, something to look forward to. And Thelma was great with the money and what we had to raise to get there and things mm. like that. And then they also occupied the office of International Women's Cricket Council for two lots of three years, I think it was. So, you know, while we were, while I was, playing my sport you know there were other people around us who were just doing such a great job to keep the game strong and healthy off it before the merger of New Zealand cricket and New Zealand women's cricket in the mid-90s. Leslie explain to me I mean one of the things that fascinates me about our legends is we've spoken about the drive and the passion (sighs) explain to our listeners what it's like to have that drive you obviously had a, a an inbuilt machine that just wanted you to be the absolute best you could possibly be at your sport what was that what was that like and can you explain the drive and motivation the things that did motivate you during your your whole career and the things that motivate you now well I think it for, for me it was the fact that I was seven out of ten in the um, ranking of the family and you know <laughs> you, you become become a little bit anonymous not in the nicest possible <laughs> way and so you're always striving I guess to reach the, where the others are at. Um, I think that's a very real part of the competitive. And, and I was competitive. I probably wasn't always very nice to play against, to be fair. Um, but I was... <laughs> I like it, that. It, it just 
absolutely drove me, as I said earlier, to not be the last one picked, to not be dropped if I could avoid it. Um, I, I really think that it, that's all part of where I was in the family. And I also, you know, my, my parents had a lot of tragedy. You know, they lost three children. In fact, yeah. two of them within two years. I had a, a younger sister who had a, um, a very bad heart condition and she lived till she was four and a half. And it meant lots of going up to then Green Lane Hospital and getting um, monitored and then cut, and then she didn't survive the last operation. And then two years later, my second oldest brother was killed in a car accident. And I just mm. remember those hard times and mm. how much that galvanized me inside as well. I mean, it's, you know, it was, it was horrible. I saw what it did to my parents and my father, bless his heart, made my mother get into sport administration. And, and really through that tragedy, that's, that's where we've all come from in our family. I think it's instead of, um, it, you know, everybody deals with it in their own way, grief. But I think when I see what Dad did and got my mother joined up with Doc Mowat and they formed the Burnside Women's Hockey Team uh, Club, um, you know, that was the beginning of Mum's sense of purpose. And to see her work hard, and you know, still we were—I was only ten and twelve when that happened—but you know, it's a profound thing to happen in your life. And just to go through those times, it—it um, it gives you an extra shield, I think, to what your purpose you, is. Yeah, no one should have to go through that. You and your family had to, but it gives you perspective—a whole new perspective on. Life. Oh, it does. It yeah, things, look, and it's not to, to, in to wallow in it now. Yeah, we, but yeah. but that you know that's been a very big part of the drive. Oh, well, Leslie, uh, it's absolutely tragic to hear that sort of stuff, but it, it does give us an insight into, I guess, your drive and perspective and, and passion for sport. Like, how important is sport for, for kids? You know, you talk about what you went through. How important is it to grow sports in New Zealand to make sure that the next generation is playing sports so that it gives them an outlet? Oh, absolutely. Look, it is so critical. And it, and it's the fun. You know, it's the camaraderie. It's the it, And it's for the parents as well on the sideline. I see it with my grandsons. I've got four grandsons, two of which, or one, yeah, two of which play um, modified uh, rugby in the wintertime. But just to go down there and, and see them interact with their mates. I mean, when the very first year that they play, you know, they're, they're going around in circles and and saying hello when they're meant to be catching the ball and all that, that doesn't matter. They're just having fun and that sense of being part of a team and who they are. And then is the obvious health benefits as well. But I think there's so much, and I think we saw that after the 2011 earthquakes here, how much sport really knitted the communities together in Christchurch. I think it is a panacea for a lot of things in our life. And being part of a team when you're a small person and, and, and getting good guidance is critical really we just need to find more ways to get them playing yeah well, well Leslie um, we could speak to you for hours um, you have one of the most fascinating journeys um, as a sports person and broadcaster and now um, in in cricket administration as well um, I do need a little bit of uh, motivation and maybe some tips because I'm attempting a world record shortly um, wow. I'm attempting Mm. The, uh, oh, it's very important, Leslie. This is a very important world record. Uh, we have already yeah. said yeah. I'm a double world record holder. 
at the moment. Well, Luke Ronke really is. Well, Luke Ronke really has that. Yeah, it was a you, you, you were just a part. You were just kind of there, weren't you? <laughs> okay, so this this will be a world record just for myself. Yes, easily. exactly. Let me rephrase that. So I'm going to attempt the alphabet on a keyboard with cricket gloves on. And um, unofficially, <laughs> oh I've already... I've already beaten it unofficially four times, uh, but this will be an official time that we're going to do. Uh, do you have any tips for me? Get those little spiky green batting gloves. Uh, you know, that's what Daniel ones? said, the ones with the yes. open palms. Yes. 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 We went Definitely. to the Cricket Museum and asked for a pair, Leslie, and they said no. They wouldn't let me. So oh. I, I just down to Rebel Sports, and I've got a <laughs> pair of New Balance official cricket See? gloves, so I'm not cheating. Um, and are we going to attempt this thing? A great cricketing mind. Immediately thought of it. I, Les, Leslie yeah, saw, yeah. saw a chance to, to give you a leg up. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant stuff. Or either that or it shows our age, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too. But we'll, we'll leave yep, that alone. Yep. Leslie, thank you for all you've done, all you will continue to do. And thanks so much for dropping by. I wish you and yours to start the merriest of Christmases and Happy New Year. And I look forward to catching up with you soon, I hope. Thanks so much, Leslie. Thank you, guys. Love chatting. Thank you. Leslie Murdoch, this weekend's Saturday session legend, dual international Olympian, former his captain, New Zealand women's cricketing side, um, and uh, fine broadcaster.